Hello and welcome to The Later Life Show. I'm David Hamilton and this is a podcast for anyone who's getting older, which, let's face it, is all of us. I always say that life is a rich tapestry and that's what this podcast is all about. We've got interviews with ordinary and yet extraordinary folk, helpful advice for those who may have a question or two about ageing and I'll be offering a few of my own observations about life along the way. This month we'll be hearing what life is like when you're still acting in your 80s. In television you don't have time to rehearse so you have to learn and learn and learn. It's much, much harder. Plus, tips and advice on staying sharp from a leading research professor. Many of us worry that we'll lose our thinking skills in later life, but research suggests there are things that we can do. And also, information on your rights when it comes to disputes over unruly shrubbery hanging over your neighbour's fence. It just sounds amazingly complicated, doesn't it? But it is important to take all these different aspects. And we'll be treated to a surprise musical performance from one of our favourite winners to successfully come out of Dragon's Den. But first up, let's meet Robin Ollington. At 87, Robin is still leading a very active life and has been talking to Nicky Kidner about one of the ways that he puts his life experience to use. At one time, I was a governor of a primary school and I used to pay visits to the school unannounced to have a look round. And one day I walked into a class and the class were doing the Second World War. So I sat in and listened. They had no material to work with. There was nothing except books and photographs, but nothing that really gave them the idea of what it was like. So at the end of the lesson, I said, well, it's very interesting, but would you like to hear from somebody who actually experienced all this and they said oh, would you come and do it and I said well yes so I went away and thought about it I said well if I'm going to do it properly um, I'd better prepare things so I went off and found some shrapnel that I dug up in the garden during the war I actually created the sweet ration because I thought they ought to see how many sweets you actually were allowed a week what the sweet ration was like I also took a banana and an orange, because we never saw one of those for four years. Some children grew up never knowing what a banana was like till the war was over. So I did that. I produced a gas mask and other bits and stuff called window that the Germans dropped um, to break up the radar. So I just turned up and then I then said to the children, how old are you? And they put their hands up, eight, ten years old. And I said, well, you are now going to be me because I'm going to tell you what it was like. So I then talked them through all of my the war experience, everything, air raids, bombing, you know, this sort of thing, um, and the end of the war, and, and, and rationing, shortage of clothing, um, the, the whole thing. They loved it, the children. So at the end of that, I got a message and said, would you come and do it to the Parents Association? So I said, well, yes, willingly. Well, then word got round, and I think I must have, I don't know how many schools I've done it to now, did a very interesting one. My grandson um, is half French, he's at the Lycée. In, in, I went and did my story, and then the next time they invited a French grandfather to tell his story, and we met. And, of course, he compared his life under the Germans with me living in London. That was brilliant. So... From time to time, um, I do get up. Well, I, I do have this rolling phone call. Will you come and talk about the war? <laughs> so you weren't evacuated during the war. No, uh, no. Fortunately, I lived. I lived in in St Albans. I wasn't evacuated. 
And rather bizarrely, I used to come to Norbury in South London for my summer holidays with my grandparents during the Blitz. <laughs> so I was actually in the house, whatever. No, sitting through the Blitz. No, no, no. What are your memories of those nights with your grandparents? Oh, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, because in, 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 in Norbury, um, where we live, where I still live, in the same house, in fact, in the back there, there is a sports ground and there was an anti-aircraft battery there. And then at the top of Streatham Common, there was a very big anti-aircraft battery looking into London to protect London along the top. And then further away... So these anti-aircraft batteries were banging away. So what goes up must come down. So all this shrapnel was pinkling down. So you could hear that, you see. And then, <coughs> then the, the bombs would drop. And I remember staying there in the middle of a heavy raid getting out of bed and everybody I went round that was fast asleep in bed nobody was taking any notice of it and I actually got under the bed my bed that I was sleeping in and knitted a dishcloth because my grandmother taught me to knit with you couldn't get dishcloths in the war so we knitted dishcloth and I actually sleep in the same bed now that I hid under knitting a dishcloth and then in the morning you would get up and go out into the garden and the lawn would be burnt where the hot shrapnel had gone into it so you would then dig it up and have it as a souvenir. Do you still have some? Yes, I take it to the talk. But there was a wonderful morning. One morning, woke up and looked out and everywhere was covered in 12-foot lengths of black paper with silver paper on the other side. Tons of it. It was all over the trees, all over the gardens... I thought, what on earth is it? And went out and picked it up. And it was silver and black. I thought, what is it? It was everywhere. You've never seen so much stuff. And it transpired. It was a thing called window. The Germans had invented it. And they threw it out of the aircraft in tons. And as it fell, it turned over and over in the sky. And the radar only picked up the metal. So the radar was totally confused. All the radar screens went like snow because it was metal blank, metal blank. They didn't know what was happening. Then they, I forgot what, I've got the German name for it because I researched it. But then we did it and we dropped it in Germany to break their radar up. But it covered everywhere. Gosh, how bizarre. So I've made up strips of it to show them what it, it, it looked like. <laughs> Gosh, n not like waking up and someone who's never seen snow before, no. waking up and actually having the entire street carpeted. And then the other dangerous thing they did was butterfly bombs. And these were little cylindrical bombs with a handle. These were thrown out, and as they came out of the aircraft, the case came open and went up the handle like a spinner, like a propeller. And these then were brightly coloured, and they got stuck in the trees or in the hedges and they thought people would go and pick them up and boom. So we used to be, we used to be shown this. The police used to come around and say, don't touch these if you see them in, in the oh, trunk. So they made them purposefully attractive? Oh, yeah, so, so you, you might pick them up. <laughs> I think being a boy during the war, you see, I was at 10 when war was declared, so I went through all 10 to 17. When it turned for me to go into the army, because I got called up, I virtually went straight from being a schoolboy straight into the army at 17 and went off uh, and did two years. I think being in the army gives you an attitude towards things. You, 
nothing's ever a problem, I find, because you, you, le- you learn to solve it. Automat- you have to solve it. So nothing is ever a problem to me. I never get panic about it. It gets sorted in the end. If you sit down, you can do it. Thank you very much for speaking to us, Robin Ollington. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, that was the very inspiring Robin Ollington. Now, whether you're a silver fox or a blonde bombshell, looking after the grey matter inside our heads is really important for how well we age. So let's take a moment to hand over to one of the leading research professors who has some tips and advice for us on the best ways for staying sharp in later life. Hello, my name's Ian Deary. I'm Professor of Psychology at the University of Edinburgh. My research team's funded by Age UK. We study why and how some people's thinking skills and brains age better as they grow older. Thinking skills like reasoning and memory. Many of us worry that we'll lose our thinking skills in later life, but research suggests that there are things that we can do that might help us stay sharp as we grow older. Using that knowledge, my team has worked with Age UK to put together some tips for practical things we can do that might help us to stay sharp in later life. Tip one, keep active. Get moving through the day and do physical exercises and activities that you enjoy. Or try new ones. An active lifestyle and being fitter are linked to healthier brains and sharper thinking skills in later life. Tip two, don't smoke. If you smoke, it's best to stop. Smoking is linked with having a thinner brain cortex. This is the brain's outer layer and it's crucial for thinking skills. When you stop smoking, some reversal of this damage might be possible. However, this can be very slow, so it's better to stop sooner rather than later. Tip three, eat a healthy diet. That's one that's high in fruit, vegetables, nuts, olive oil, beans and cereals. One that's moderate in fish, dairy products and wine, and that's limited in red meat and poultry. It's called a Mediterranean-style diet, and it's been linked to better brain health. Tip four, try and maintain a healthy weight. You can manage your weight through healthy eating and physical activity. Being overweight may be a risk factor for accelerated decline in thinking skills. A healthy weight is better for your physical health too. Tip five, perhaps learn another language. Learn and practice a language that's new to you. Learning and using more than one language is linked with better thinking skills in later life. And it's never too late to start. If anything, the benefits of speaking more than one language might increase with age. To read about these tips and more, visit our Staying Sharp webpages. And you'll find all that information and more on the Age UK website, ageuk.org.uk. Now, if, like me, you love the windswept wildness of the Cornish coastline, then you may well be a fan of the BBC series Poldark, in which case you'll know our next guest, Caroline Blackiston, who appears in the show as Aunt Agatha. Caroline has been an actress whose career on screen and stage has spanned six decades. Susie Sharp has been chatting to her and asked her whether the process of learning lines becomes more difficult as you get older. I think you will find that most actresses, I'm 84, most actresses are from about 70 or 75 anyway, start finding it's not that you can't learn them, it's just that it takes much longer. You can learn a scene or you can learn a speech and know it this evening, by tomorrow it's gone away again. And it's very frustrating, it's very annoying. I've recently been in a series called Poldark where I play old Aunt Agatha. And I had one or two long speeches in that. It's a very marvellous sort of uh, 97-year-old lady. And um, sometimes I had long speeches 
And of course, in television, you don't have time to rehearse, so you have to learn and learn and learn. It's much, much harder. Hey, nothing wrong with that. You know, it's good for us. It's good. It keeps you young. It keeps you active. And you keep working. <laughs> and do you find the way that productions, television and film, work now is very different from when you first started out? Yes. I mean, I have to say that when I first started acting, which was in 1955, I left RADA and I went to the Liverpool Rep and did theatre there and then did theatre, 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 because that's what there was. And then gradually during the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s and from then onwards, you started to have opportunities to work in television. I worked a lot at Granada, did a lot of television when my children were young. I didn't like to go out in the evening to work in the theatre, so I used to do television, but then that would often take you away from home. And that's always it's a very, very difficult thing to be a working actress mother because you're taken away from your children or you go away voluntarily from your children. And uh, it's, it's really difficult not to feel bad about it. And tell me, Caroline, what do you think is the secret to keeping your brain active as we all get older? Well, some people swear that they learn a poem every day. I don't do that and I never have done that. I think talking to people, reading is good, and working, being an actress, being a working actress is wonderful. You're, you're in very intense collaboration and commitment with a lot of people of all different ages and the young keep you busy and if they treat you like one of them instead of pretending you're an old hag who can't walk without a stick you know we're we're pretty smart we've led long lives we've seen a few things and um just being alive yeah and what do you think are the best things about being older for me, I go on about this all the time. I'm really boring about it. I like it because, on the whole, I'm rather healthy. And I have great curiosity about everything. I'm rather excited. I have developed a great interest. This will sound peculiar. I've developed a great interest in my skeleton. I broke my back on a trampoline at a grandchild's birthday. And realized because it was cured that I'd been very lucky I could have been ruined in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and when I realized that I could actually go on being ordinary I really really decided I would do so much gentle stretching relaxing walking walking action action going upstairs I never go in lifts unless it's I'm carrying heavy things very fierce, very fierce discipline, that is. I do Tai Chi every day, which is a gentle, kindly, friendly thing to do, and it keeps you flexible so I can sit down and I can get up without groaning, and long may that continue. What a great character. Caroline Blackiston there, sharing her own advice on ageing well. Now, later on, we'll be hearing more about the benefits of being older and wiser when we talk to Levi Roots of Reggae Reggae Source fame. But next, let's take a few minutes to get some more serious advice. Now, we've all heard about the neighbours from hell. I've known one or two in my time, I can tell you. And if you find yourself in a neighbourly dispute, it can be really stressful. Diana Moran has been finding out what your options are when a neighbour's trees and hedges are starting to grow over your fence or start blocking light into your home. 
She's joined by Lottie Beecham, who is a housing specialist for Age UK, and Jenny Herrera from the charity ASB Help, who advise on problems associated with antisocial behaviour. First, let's hear Lottie's advice on the subject. Having a pleasant home environment with enough natural light is very important for anyone, but particularly if you're spending a lot of time at home, maybe an increasing amount of time at home. So if there are branches overhanging from a neighbour's garden into yours, you do have the right to trim them back to the boundary line. I would always, always advise speaking to your neighbour before doing this. You don't have to, but it could cause offence if you didn't, and you want to maintain good neighbour relationships wherever possible. There are some other points that you may wish to consider. Some of the trees may be protected by the council. This may be because you're living in a conservation area, in which case all of the trees will be automatically protected, or the council may have issued specific orders protecting specific trees. So you should check with the local council first. You should also make sure that you don't trim past the boundary line. You can trim up to it, but not past it. If you do, you'd be encroaching on your neighbour's property. You should offer the branches that you trim and any fruit back to your neighbour, or you should dispose of them with your neighbour's consent. You should check that there are no bird's nests that are in use before you start trimming. To be on the safe side, you may wish to trim during the winter months. Oh, that's so nice to think about the birds as well, isn't it? Well, it's a legal requirement too, oh, is it? Yes. Yes. I didn't realise that. I certainly didn't realise that. Um, Jenny, what have you got to say about all of this? It just sounds amazingly complicated, doesn't it? But it is important to take all these different aspects. So there's there's no law which says that a tree or hedge must be below a certain height. Uh, however, your local council can intervene if your neighbour's hedge is more than two metres tall and is affecting your reasonable enjoyment of your property. And um, a hedge really means a line of two or more evergreen or semi-evergreen trees or shrubs. If the council agree that the hedge is affecting your enjoyment, they may serve a notice on your neighbour telling them to prune it back and maintain it at that level. They cannot order your neighbour to remove the hedge entirely. But complaining to the council really should be a last resort. They may not accept your complaint if they believe you have not taken all reasonable steps to resolve the problem first. Talk to your neighbour and try and kind of explain the situation and, and come to some agreement that way. Government does have some leaflets to guide on all this. Uh, There's one over the garden hedge. This gives advice on approaching a neighbour, how to get the most out of your discussions, what to do if discussions break down. Uh, They have another one called high hedges complaining to the council. This is about when the council will get involved, the action they can take and the fees they may charge. Uh, Both of these leaflets can be found on the gov.uk website. I suppose with all these things... If you can, it's best to talk to the neighbours, isn't it? It is much better. It's what the council will ask as well. And actually, if you think about it from your perspective, if if your something in your garden was affecting your neighbour's garden, you may not even have appreciated that it was. And the neighbour, instead of having a quiet word with you, goes straight to the council and you're getting a phone call from the council. How that would make you feel? Actually, you would rather, in most cases, that the neighbour just said, uh, excuse me, you know, do you mind about about that hedge and the problems it's causing and they go oh yes yeah, sorry I'll I'll I'll, do, mm. I'll deal with it mm. uh, so it's so much better to to talk let's it, we don't see our neighbors as much anymore but it's so important to talk to them great advice there from Jenny Lottie and Diana now get ready for a dash of something really rather different levi roots rose to fame after pitching an idea on the tv series dragon's den his reggae reggae sauce has since become hugely popular susie sharp has been chatting to levi and asked him what he feels is the best thing about being older and wiser 
my fortunes and and everything that's happened to me when I was when I was younger. I think age has blessed me in a way that I would never have, have been able to take take things thing through i'm more happier now than i than i was not because of 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 my business and everything but because i feel now i'm the best levi roots that i can be and at the end of the day i do think that's what most people should aim to be as i said earlier you shouldn't aim to be anybody else you should aim to be you but there is a point where you gotta admit that you're not functioning the best and when you do admit that that is when the change comes. And it took me a long time to really admit to myself because I said I thought I was cool, I was a singer, and everybody loved me in Brixton. But if I'm honest, I wasn't the best Levi Roots I did. And that's why I ended up at Her Majesty's Pleasure. And that's why I got a lot of things wrong when I was younger. Um, but as I got older, I learned how to be the best Levi Roots and to enjoy that, in, in enjoy myself in my own skin. Well, clearly, you are enjoying your life now. You come across as very content and very happy with everything that's that's going on around you. Absolutely. Again, as I said, because now I believe that I'm the best of me. Absolutely. Have you ever been starstruck? Ooh, that's a difficult one. I don't want to sound, you know, unappreciative of, of other people who is, who's... Um, who's done great things. I am in awe of, of quite a few people. But because, you know, I've been in the business ever since I was 16, I've been on a stage with a microphone and I've met so many people throughout my life on stage. You know, as I said, anything from Nelson Mandela, Bob Marley, James Brown, I've Maxi Priest, I've worked with, with them all and been very close with my heroes, all the people that, that, um, that I class as my heroes I've met. But there's only one person that if I met, I'd probably turn to blubber, and it's the actress called Charlize Theron. <laughs> Do you think she's rather gorgeous? I think she's gorgeous. <laughs> I'd be like blubber if I met her. <laughs> <laughs> Would you sing your reggae, reggae song Absolutely, to her, yes. Do we, absolutely. Can we just have a couple of notes? Yes, yes. It's so nice, I had to name it twice. I call it reggae, reggae sauce. So nice with your fried chicken. Make burgers finger licking. On your rice and peas or fish, put some reggae, reggae sauce on your dish. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) Once again, a terrific character, eh? Levi Roots treating Susie to a rendition of his famous reggae, reggae song. Well, that's all for this episode of The Later Life Show. I do hope you've enjoyed our medley of guests. All these interviews can be found in full on the web pages of Age UK's radio station at thewirelessradio.com. If you'd like to find out more about any of the topics from this podcast, you can access help and advice from Age UK by calling 0800 169 6565. That's 0800 169 6565 or online at ageuk.org.uk.